0: God, our Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, he's here, he's within every single believer, all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'm going to start with a picture up here, a little washed out bottom corner, my apologies, you know, technology, right? This is Uganda, Uh, we placed a well there, at Akwara B, a couple years ago, freshwater well, our AFLC has lots of missionary connections now in Uganda. We're doing lots of amazing work there. Bottom right hand corner, <coughs> we have a story today from actually written by this young man, Michael wrote, AFLC missionary to Uganda. And this is Pastor Alex, um, who works with us there in Uganda. And this car is gonna uh, show itself prominently in the story today. This is a street in Uganda. Just to give you an idea, as I'm going through the story, I wanted you to be able to see uh, where, kind of the setting where this would happen, and wanted you to be able to see Alex and Michael as um, as I tell this story a little bit. So Michael writes: "Nasty yellow spikes block the lane. When I see them on Ugandan roads, I wonder if the police pull them up from some medieval torture chamber." My friend Pastor Alex was driving me back to Jinja. From my first two weeks of ministry in Gulu with the Ron family, we'd come to a place in the road where police were pulling over random drivers for vehicle inspection. Say, "Uh uh-oh. There were only so many vehicles they could pull over at a time. We were one of them. The policewoman who greeted us announced, we are giving you a fine for driving with tires that are not safe. Pull over there. Had they inspected the tires already? Just to get the feel of how this works. We're pulling you over, going to give you a fine for having tires that aren't safe, though we haven't even looked at them yet, but you're getting a fine. So Alex complied. When his plate numbers were run through their system, we were informed the previous owner of the vehicle had left unpaid fines, for which Alex was now responsible. The grand total of the fines came to 100 United States. dollars. Alex got out of the vehicle to speak with the officers, I prayed. The police informed Alex that the fines must be paid immediately. There was a bank up the road at which Alex could make the payment. However, he must leave his vehicle behind. Alex protested that he did not have the money. Then came threats. The police said they might impound the vehicle. They might take a hammer to his license plate. If you do that, then you can't drive it. It basically takes it away from your, your possession. There was a man with a hammer standing right there at the ready. Several empty vehicles were around us with no license plates. It looked like we would lose our car. The officer said, Who is your passenger? Is he an ambassador? You know, white guy? funny yellow, uh, pink shirt and a funny hat? Is he an ambassador? Uh, uh, Michael writes, Apparently I looked important. Pastor Alex said, he is an ambassador of God. Which God? A big one or a small one? The God who made you, replied Alex. My father made me. And who made your father? My grandfather. Then Alex said, if you follow that line back, you will finally meet the God who made you the heavens and the earth man with the hammer came forward, preparing to take our plate. Do not remove, interrupted the officer. Looking at Alex, he said, we don't know why, but we are going to release you with your vehicle. Isn't that amazing? He even admits it. I don't know why I'm letting you go with your vehicle, but, but I am. You don't know why? Because the God that you don't know yet is compelling you to. We don't know why, but we're going to release you with your vehicle. But you must pay the fines. So I help with paying the fines. Paying another man's debt is not unusual in Uganda. I'd never thought of it this way until I read this article. I was born with another man's debt. So was my dad, and my mom, and their parents before them, and so on, and so on. You were too. Born, actually conceived, with another man's debt. A debt we can't pay for ourselves, let alone pay for the previous generations. What am I talking about? Most Christians call it original sin. The sin the entire human race has inherited from Adam and Eve. God speaks this in many places in the Bible. Job may be the first to speak of it in Scripture. Go with me to Job chapter 14, verse 1. You're to be a little careful with Job because a lot of Job is his three friends speaking and they aren't always on track. In scripture, but they aren't always God rebukes them. But this is part of what Job shared. Now you know Job is coming from a place of extreme pain and and fantastic loss, right? Sometimes his what he's saying comes out of that experience. So sometimes it's kind of dark and depressed, and, and we get that, right? In chapter 14, verse 1, Job says, Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. Ever had a day where you felt like that was speaking to you? Yeah. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And do you open your eyes on such a one and bring me into judgment with you? So he's talking to his friends His friends now. He says, do you open your eyes on such a one, on me, and bring me into judgment with you? Verse 4, he says, would you say with me out loud slowly? Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean is not one. So when you look at the context of the passage, what he's talking about there is, is a baby being born. Who can bring a clean thing, a clean baby, out of an unclean? So mom and dad got the sin. How do we how do we manage to pull a baby out of that situation clean itself? We can't. No one can do that, Job says. So there's more than a hint here, but we can sail right past it when you're reading your devotions. When we're reading Job in our devotions, have you ever stopped there and thought about this is original sin, this is what he's talking about? Probably, like me, sailed right past it most every time without grasping the whole truth of it. So now let's go forward. We're going to go to Psalm 51. This is King David writing his desperate cry of confession and repentance after his sin with Bathsheba. He speaks more directly to the sin death that we inherit. Psalm 51, verse 1. Here David writes, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. This is what we call owning it, right? We, we're not, we would prefer not to own our sin. We prefer not to admit it and confess it. And repent of it and share it directly with God. We prefer just to kind of, well, you know, I didn't really think that. Did I? I didn't really say that. Did I? I didn't actually do that. Did I? But true repentance comes with ownership of our sin, our failure, our weakness. Bringing that to the Lord in true confession, true repentance, which is an owning and admitting it and saying, I never want to do that again. Repentance is turning away from that and doing a 180. <clears throat> so David here is owning it. My, 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 verse 3, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, God, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. David says, I deserve it, God. I I receive it. It's my transgression and I am alone and in responsibility for it. Now, verse 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. He says, At my birth, I came forth in iniquity, in sin, at my birth. And in sin did my mother, how far back does it go? And in sin did my mother what? Conceive me. How far back does the sin go? Clear to the moment of conception. Was his mom being sinful in the moment of conception? No. His mom and dad were married, they were right before God in that regard. David was, I think, was he 7th or 8th in the line of children? There was nothing sinful about the activity at all. Where did the sin come from? The previous generation. It's just handed on. So David owns all of his personal sin in this terrible Bathsheba incident. But then he says, you know what? I I was born with it. In fact, I was conceived in it. I'm part of the inexorable line of sin being passed down. And the Apostle Paul gives us the the clearest and most direct detail on the subject. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's do a brief one there. Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning verse 1. And I just want to be clear. So when I say David wrote this and Paul wrote this and Job wrote this, we're all clear that the Holy Spirit inspired them and they're writing down just what God wants them to, amen? Amen. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote this, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, walking dead men and women, right? You were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, by the way, The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We used to walk with that, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And whereby, say with me, by nature, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. What does it mean to be by nature children of something? By nature, I'm a child of the ochre clan. Just by nature, that's how it happened. I was born to Sherindale Ochre. I'm an ochre. Paul here says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, we're all born by nature children of God's wrath. Every single child conceived needs a Savior. Kind of blows our minds to think of it that way, doesn't it? We're all born by nature children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. That's some serious stuff. Romans chapter 5 is the most powerful, detailed explanation of this in the Bible. Comes again from the Apostle Paul. But uh, check this out. Rome, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. I'd like to start at verse 1, but I don't like the, the sermon go into the afternoon. Because you start, verse 12 starts, therefore. therefore is building on a previous foundation, right? So I I don't like to jump into the middle of a therefore, but we're going to do that today because he develops so much more here. So verse 12, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, who was the one man? Adam. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin And so death spread to all men because all sin, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, before Moses came down the mountain, sin was already present. But sin is not counted where there is no law. He says, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. I just want to submit to you as we go, as we go pass along through here, a brief aside. There are lots of reasons evolution is a lie, it's terrible science, and it's anti-God. But I want to submit this to you. I know I talk about evolution a lot. It's because the devil's using it to tear a lot of people's faith away from God and the Bible and it's taken away their salvation. It's that scary. It's that big a problem. Here's the deal. Even if you don't remember anything I said in the November sermons about apologetics and stuff, you can go to Romans chapter 5, and if a Christian tells you that God maybe used evolution to make the heavens and the earth a creation, you can say, that is a lie. The God of the Bible could not have ever done it that way. Why do I say that? It's crystal clear here in Romans chapter 5. I almost got in a knockdown drag out with a pastor at this debate at Morningside College years ago in the evolution creation forum. I drove down there, I made my statement, we almost came to blows. Because he was saying that God used evolution to do it all. I said, You can't say that. You can say that, but you no longer have the God of the Bible as your God. Because the God of the Bible says death came because of Adam's sin. There was no death before Adam. You can't have millions and billions of years of developing life and death through generations of advancement, supposedly. And accept the word of God, the Bible. If you say God used evolution, you aren't just punting Genesis 1, 2, and 3 into the stands. You're tossing the whole rest of the Bible, including Romans chapter 5. Don't let a Christian, I don't care how big his or her head is. I don't care how many uh, labels they have behind their name. I don't care how prestigious the Christian college is where they teach at. They're wrong, and they're teaching lies, and it's leading people to hell. I don't fight evolution just on scientific grounds. I fight it first from scriptural grounds. And I don't care who the pastor or prof or whatever it is, or how many books he's written. If He's saying that stuff he's wrong. He's going to stand before the throne one day and it's not going to be good for him. Verse 12, I'm going to read it fast this time now that I've made this little aside. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, not through millions and billions of years of stuff, And death, through that sin, the one man's sin, that's when death started. So death spread to all men because all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, showed itself sin was having its way. Even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, was a type of the one who was to come. Verse 15. Now, this is, the, this is the best news in this passage. I never noticed this before. How many of you liked hearing about how salvation is a free gift? How many of you like the sound of that? Okay? You're going to hear it five times in this passage. So on, on the count of three, I want you to yell with me free gift. One, two, three. Free, free gift. gift! Five times. Here we go. Verse 15. But the. Free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, Adam's, much more had the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Stand up. The Bible stands up two men opposing each other in a sense. Stands up Adam, who by his sin brought death to all, and then brings along Jesus Christ to come up to him and say, Adam, I love you going to go to the cross for you and for all the people who received your sin from generation to generation. It's it's not, it's not a battle royal because Adam is not fighting it, right? But we need an antidote to Adam. Jesus Christ is the antidote. Verse 15. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, and they did, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Don't you love the word abounded? Anybody need grace abounding on you today? What's grace? It's God's pure, and merited love. Even when you're not lovable, he loves you anyway, and it's free to you today, and it's in abundance. Don't you love it when you walk in the room and there's so many packages under the tree that they like exploded out into the room? Abundance. More, more than you need. The grace of God is abundant for many. Verse 16. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. What's Paul trying to get across to you and me here today? If you're trying to earn it, stop that. It's free. Given to you because he loves you. And I know you may not feel like he should love you. I know that you may have thoughts from the devil that are condemning and accusing you and telling you you're not worthy of his love. Those are lies. Five times here, the word of God tells you, I love the stuffing out of you. I love you with an abundance you can't imagine. And I'm telling you over and over and over, that's three, over and over, it's a free gift. Please receive it, glad. Verse 17. For if, because of one man's trespass, whose? <laughs> Adam's. Whereas by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Sounds so good, feels so good, doesn't it? To be made righteous. I can't I can't do it myself. I gladly receive it. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. <laughs> doesn't it? Ah. I don't know how to. I don't know how to get a hold of it. You ever been in an area of life? Maybe you are this week, where sin increased. You realize you've been slipping and falling and and repeatedly. Maybe you're in that. We have those times, people. Maybe you're in that time this week. Here's what you need to hear: Grace abounds to you all the more. Enough to cover, not just enough to cover, an abundance. Turn from your sin, repent, come back to Jesus today. Admit that sin has been increasing in your life and that you hate it and you don't want that anymore. And let his grace abound to you. Freely. Freely. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to what kind of life? Eternal life. Through whom? Jesus Christ, our Lord. So so what in the world does this have to do with Christmas? Only everything from Adam and Eve unto every generation since them, Over 6,000 years worth of sin death being passed on and on and on and added on to. Have I added on to the sin death that I've passed on to my kids? It's a debt no individual could ever pay for themselves. How are we going to try and pay it for previous generations? We can't. Would I love to pay my mom and dad's sin debt for them? I'd love to. I can't pay my own. From Adam and Eve, there was only the hint. Then came the promise. and Then the angel spoke to Mary. And the angel spoke to Joseph. The angel said in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, or 20, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, middle of the verse, the angel spoke to Joseph and the angel said, check this out, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the, say with me, the Holy Spirit. Okay, slow, slow, way down here, slow down. I don't know how long the angel waited to say the next sentence, right? I'm I'm hoping he he just kicked back for about five minutes. Because Joseph had some processing to do. First thing for Joseph is, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. So, I, I just come to I just come to know that Mary's pregnant. I was thinking there was a secret boyfriend. So, yeah, it broke my heart. And I was thinking to divorce her in a nice, quiet way. So, so hang on a minute. You're telling me that the baby she's carrying is not a secret boyfriend, and I know it's not me. You're telling me the Holy Spirit conceived that child? That changes everything. This is a God thing. This is a miracle. I want to protect this. You want me to be the husband to the woman who's carrying your child, God? Okay. But here's number two. Joseph back up here a second wait a a minute here say again we've been passing on sin from generation to generation ever since Adam and Eve it's a debt we can't pay for them it's a debt we can't pay for ourselves so just hang on a second this baby in Mary's womb it's not a secret boyfriend it's not me it's you God you telling me this baby does not have a sin from the previous generations? Are you telling me? Oh, holy night. This baby doesn't have any sin generational garbage for thousands of years. It didn't happen to this one. So so what does that mean? That means this baby can be born without sin. That means this baby has a chance. This baby has a chance to go all the way to the cross and then receive the download of generations of sin like mine and pay it for me? Pay it for my mom and dad. Pay it for grandpa and grandma. Pay it all the way back to Adam and Eve. Is that what you're telling me? The angels are like, you guys are so slow. That's what I'm telling you. God says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. I need you to take care of her and the baby. Because you're going to have to flee to Egypt. It's going to be rocky for a few years. I need you, Joseph. And Joseph, here's what I'm asking you to protect. The one and only baby who's ever been conceived without sin from the previous generation. So he has a chance. He's got to be obedient. He's got to be perfect. He's got to be without sin in his own right. But he's born with a chance. Chance to go to the cross and give a sacrifice without sin. So the angel lets him process, let's say 10 minutes, okay? <laughs> Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take me. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. All God's people to that should just say, hallelujah. Glory. The angels are kind of saying it's about time. One thousand years, we have been waiting for this. So the angel picks it up again, verse 21. She and Mary will bear a son. You, because it was the dad's job to name the kids. You shall call his name Jesus, in the Hebrew, Yeshua. For he will save his people from their sins. So now Joseph's gone. Okay. I think I get it. Maybe conceived by the Holy Spirit, sin did not get passed on to him. And this is your plan. We're going to name him Jesus Yeshua, because the name means God saves. And his purpose is to be born, grow, and as a sinless sacrifice, son of God, willingly receive our sins. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to pay the price. is crying hallelujah. David's crying hallelujah. Adam and Eve, how do you suppose they feel? Do you ever think about that? How did Adam and Eve feel? They lived for 900 some years, and they watched with their sin and passed on to the generations. They watched for 900 years. How big a hallelujah do you think we're getting from? Angel tells Joseph, This baby, conceived by God, no sin there, and he's going to go on to the cross and save his people from their sins. And oh, yeah, I'm not going to charge you $10,000 or $50,000 or your firstborn child to receive. Why Christmas just blows the doors off of everything. And we can do gorgeous decorations. We can do amazing presents. And and we shouldn't. But it's just us trying to, in some way, shape, or form, trying to get a hold of what the angel told Joseph. We're just trying to somehow, you know what? Lay it down for a second here. Just close your eyes. And I'm going to pray just let the Holy Spirit bring it to you, okay? God, your word just uh, blows our minds, softens and captures our hearts this morning. And thank you, God, for showing us Job and David and Paul's writings and for showing us the power the universe-changing magnificence of this moment when the angel tells Joseph what's going on. God, this morning, we're taking it to heart. We're we're very aware of our own sin, even if we try to fake ourselves out of it sometimes and try to ignore it sometimes. We love our moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas. We love them all the way back to Adam and Eve can't fix it. We're so glad you did. Jesus, thank you for coming. Holy Spirit, thank you for conceiving such a child. Thank you, Jesus, for resisting and conquering every single temptation so that you can go to the cross and be a perfect and worthy sacrifice. You were our only chance you nailed it. And so today, Jesus, why we, we look forward to celebrating your arrival at Christmas. Because we look forward to the cross and the empty tomb. Because we're grabbing a hold of this free gift today. And Free gift. We receive it now by faith in your Son. And all God's people said,